Welcome back to uh, Cardinals Off Day and Off Season podcast. We are here with one of our infrequent uh, Off Season podcasts. We usually do these when there uh, is notable news. And uh, Ben, I think we had some notable news uh, yesterday. Uh, we had quite a bit of it uh, between uh, the, I guess, folks or person uh, the Cardinals are bringing back and then the folks who are leaving and then also what the offseason might look like. I, I think we got a little bit of a roadmap uh, from President of Baseball Operations, John Mosellock, during his annual after the season press availability. So uh, a lot of news in Cardinals world uh, over the last couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, Ben and I are here just going to kind of run through some of that and, and share some of our thoughts on that. I think we'll kick things off with with what I think is is the headline, which is uh, Adam Wainwright uh, is coming back for another season and also saying that this will be his final season. Uh, ben, what what how do you feel about that? Um, I'm I'm happy that we are not going to have our last memory or hopefully we won't have as our last memory of Wainwright him not pitching well enough to make a start before the team is eliminated from the postseason. Um, because it was tough to watch, uh, the last month's worth of starts where there was clearly something wrong. And we've talked about it on past episodes. Uh, he apparently stopped watching video like he used to do before. Uh, and then, did start watching video again and immediately noticed that his stride was a foot shorter <laughs> and and corrected that. So apparently the Cardinals feel that his explanation and determination of what is wrong, and they also watched him throw, you know, bullpens between the end of the year uh, and the season, or excuse me, the end of the regular season and the end of the postseason. So they, they would probably have a, a very good idea of whether or not he looked like he was where he needed to be. Uh, But so apparently the Cardinals are satisfied enough to bring him back. And since the deal will almost certainly be kind of similar to last year, where it's a lower base with a lot of incentives for him to hit, it is definitely in the Bill DeWitt, John Mosellock wheelhouse for a starting pitcher. And so none of it's surprising. And we will also get a nice little farewell tour of sorts, uh, similar to what we had with Yachty and Pujols uh, this year. Yeah. And I think, you know, really similar to Pujols, this is a deal to me that makes sense both from the just kind of like legacy fandom standpoint, but also makes a ton of sense from a a baseball standpoint. And so, you know, from the legacy standpoint, yeah, this is a lifetime Cardinal. This is one of the all time, you know, great Cardinal pitchers. So you want him to end his career in St. Louis. He's only a handful of wins shy of 200. If he, you know, pitches a full season, you know, he probably gets to that. Obviously, wins are something we don't really care about anymore. But, you know, one of the interesting things about Adam Wainwright is, you know, his career really bridges kind of the like a lot of the old ways that we thought about pitching and the way starting pitchers were used in the new ways. So, you know, I think that will be you know, kind of a significant milestone for him. You know, it's not 700 home runs, but it's, you know, it's still a significant milestone that he'll cross. Um, But, you know, beyond just those kind of, you know, farewell tour aspects of it, you know, Adam Wainwright was, uh, you could make a really strong argument that he was the best starting pitcher on this team last year. And I think we have some recency bias where we saw him look pretty bad that last month of the season. And obviously, as you noted, it just wasn't going well. 
But, uh, you know, if you, so if you look at wins above replacement, which we don't look at a lot for pitchers, but in, the, in this case, it does get at the, the volume that he pitched. You know, Adam Wainwright had the highest wins above replacement of any Cardinal pitcher last year. He was in the top 30 um, of, you know, qualified starters in the major leagues. So this is a guy that's still providing you, um, you know, a lot of a lot of volume and really a, a pretty high quality uh, volume as well. His um, fielding independent pitching for the season was 3.66, which is which is, you know, it's not elite, but it's still quite good. So bottom line, this looks like a this still looks like a pitcher that you want in your rotation. And so I'm glad that he's coming back and going to be there. And uh, for perhaps some of our newer listeners, fielding independent pitching uh, just measures a pitcher's performance based on strikeouts, walks, home runs allowed, and innings pitched, and is then on the uh, the ERA scale in that way. And so uh, when you look at that, and the thinking being those are the things that the pitcher has the most control over. Um, and a, a fun fact, Ben, is that Adam Wainwright's 2021 fielding independent pitching was 3.66. Yeah. So even though there was a little bit of erosion in his strikeout rate, his walks crept up a little bit. Um, really, there was a bit of an erosion overall uh, with swings and misses, quality of contact, those types of things. Um, but he also, here I just said quality of contact, but he also uh, held back home runs a little bit better this year, which I think is something that you saw across the league as well. Um, but when you add all that together, he he the things that he could control, he pitched about as well this year as he did last year. Uh, the difference being uh, in his performance being the overall runs allowed. And w- going all the way back to the big extension he signed uh, after – uh, he returned from his uh, his injury that kept him out in 2011 and then signed the, ex- the big extension with the Cardinals, whereas fielding independent pitching was much better than his ERA. You know, the Cardinals have, you know, basically for a decade now been uh, prizing fielding independent stats more than earn run average. So it, it's not terribly surprising that they believe in Adam Wainwright for another year because he's not given them much of a reason to disbelieve. And yeah. I think that the DeWitt in particular as a business model, you know, it it makes sense because he's cheaper as a base salary. Yeah. You're going to have merchandising and stadium giveaway opportunities uh, yeah. with the Wainwright farewell tour. And so you know, this checks a lot of boxes in the uh, accounting books that we yeah. know uh, are important to those who oversee the wallet. So it's just a win-win-win on every level for the Cardinals and makes a lot of sense. Now, let me ask you this, though. They now have, similar to last year, including Jack Flaherty, mm-hmm. five pitchers yeah. that are earmarked for the rotation. Do you think those five pitchers will be the five starters um, as they, the, the five would be starters as they enter spring training? Or do you think they're going to shake things up a little bit and try to find uh, the type of swing and miss pitcher that Ali Marmol has been talking up for the last year to kind of complement this, you know, five average above average uh, pitchers who don't strike out a lot of guys, excluding the wild card Flaherty, I guess it's more four. Uh, but do you think they're done with the starting rotation? You know, I hope not. Um, uh, you know, I, I hope that they, um, 
you know, that they look to add somebody at the high end. Um, but uh, it's, you know, the, the, I guess the reason that I'm, I suspect that they may not is because this is more starting pitching depth than they've had for several years now. And they were, they were fine with it then. <laughs> so, you know, I think in their mind, they've, this is probably, you know, a better, uh, you know, crop of starting pitchers uh, than they, you know, they would have had in the past. I think the bigger problem is it's, it's um, you know, it's not just the the quality of them. It's that they're essentially guys who are either on, you know, long-term contracts or they're at significant kind of arbitration figures where, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty significant commitment they're making to these guys. And so again, those, the, those names, you know, you're talking Michaelis, Wainwright, Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, Stephen Matz, right? So those are, you know, that's your clear top five right there. Now, honestly, I think that's an okay top five because I'm not saying Dakota Hudson and I'm not saying Andre Palante. <laughs> I'm not saying, uh, you know what I mean? I'm not saying some of these fringe guys that they've been trying to shoehorn in there the last couple of years. But of course, as soon as you get to the end of that list, those are exactly the names that we're talking about there. I would be much more comfortable if they had another really strong name in there, you know, even kind of leaving them with six. But I think the challenge is at this point, if you're talking about acquiring somebody, and certainly if you're talking about acquiring a free agent, I don't, I see a free agent being hesitant to sign here with those five names, um, you know, already on the list, uh, you know? Um, so I, I mean, I don't know. That's, those are kind of my kind of stray thoughts on it, Ben. What are, what are your thoughts? I mean, my thought is that, uh, the Cardinals are in a very similar position to where they were last offseason with Jack Flaherty. They are essentially holding themselves hostage to the idea of second half Jack Flaherty in 2019. Right. And we're going to be about four years removed from that. Yeah. You know, three, three and a half years removed from that when the season starts. And Mosellock made some news. He said Flaherty will have a normal offseason. Um, but uh, with the lockout, I don't think he really had that. He also could not communicate with training staff because of the owner imposed lockout last year and was a surprise, I guess, to the Cardinals in spring training that he was still having shoulder issues. And then we had to live through another season of when will Jack Flaherty come back? Right. And, you know, and so I, I think it is a mistake to count on Jack Flaherty for much of anything. Right. Um, you know, he has a torn labrum. And he's had a torn labrum, but what is causing that inflammation? And we've never really gotten a very good explanation for that. Yeah. And you have to wonder if it is related to the labrum. And that's not going to change without surgery yeah. to repair it. Well, and Ben, and when, so, it to, when it comes to pitchers, like I kind of, I stop listening to the specific diagnosis at a certain point. You know, when a guy hasn't pitched for, <laughs> for two, no, but I'm serious, you know, because when, when a guy no, doesn't yeah. pitch for two or three years, and sometimes it's like, well, it was this issue, but then it was this issue, but then it was this issue. You know, it, it, is it separate issues or is it really just the same issue? And I think it's sometimes it's just the same, you know, the same issue. And so not only are they counting on Flaherty to be healthy, they're also counting on him to pitch like he did in 2019 yeah. and to be the top of the rotation swing and miss guy that the rotation is lacking. Right. And it gets to a point where I don't understand the logic of that if you're trying to win a World Series. And I believe yeah. the Cardinals are trying to win a World Series. And so I wonder if it makes more sense to 
take Flaherty out of the rotation and use him in a way similar to the way they used Helsley, mm-hmm. where you're using him for more than one inning on a more scripted basis. You get the swing and miss in the bullpen. You're managing his workload a little bit more, but you're also not counting on him to f- to fill and be good at a very important role on your team, which is staff ace, yeah. and then go out and sign a Verlander, one of the one of the legacy starters who are still elite, who aren't going to command in all likelihood a four or five year deal, yeah. and just pay. Right now they're flush with cash. To me, it seems like this would be the off season where they go out and they get that type yeah. of pitcher to hold things down and uh, be the guy that they need, both in the regular season to win the division and potentially get a top two seed to avoid that wild card series, but then also in the postseason to give you six quality innings uh, in theory. Yeah. And so, um, you know, to me, I think that makes more sense now with the way Jack Flaherty uh, has studied Kobe Bryant and thinks he's supposed to act as a, an assassin type player, you know, I don't know how well he would respond to being told you're not going to be in the rotation. Um, But by that same token, he's gone after this year, he's got a pitch to get a contract. That's going to be part of what makes him upset, but maybe they also look to move him. I I don't know, but to me, I, I like Jack Flaherty. I think he showed a lot of promise, but I'm at Mm -hmm. the point now where if I'm the St. Louis Cardinals front office, I don't, count on him for anything other than relief that that would be my approach and then if there is an injury maybe you stretch him out and have him fill in yeah um but like right now i would not feel comfortable counting on him as one of the five starters yeah and i agree and i think this gets back to something we've talked about a lot which is that this team should you know should uh, go for more surplus than they do you know they, they should have you know uh, better quality position players on the bench than they do. And they should have, you know, more depth in their pitching staff. And, and I think they actually did take steps in that direction last season compared to what they had done. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, DeWitt ball is still, you know, based a little bit more on, uh, you know, kind of scarcity and like we've covered our bases and we've done just enough. So it'll be interesting to, to see on that. Um, ben, the other, of course, big news that broke was, uh, I guess we should get to the good news on the coaching side first, which was apparently uh, uh, Ollie Marmol, um, you know, didn't tell Mo to, you know, take off in his uh, uh, end of season interview. So he's still working here as opposed to what happened last week. <laughs> but yeah. The rest of the coaching staff, less so. So uh, Mike Maddox, it sounds like just kind of, you know, is more or less easing into retirement and, and kind of made a choice there. Um, Jeff Albert and both of their contracts were done. Jeff Albert, it sounds like maybe just kind of wasn't enjoying the work he was doing and is just choosing to pursue something else. Um, so those are two, you know, significant coaching positions there. Um, ben, what are you, what's your takeaway on that? Uh, I thought it was interesting that Mosellock said that uh, criticism on social media and, and maybe also in the media of Albert uh, was one of the reasons he decided to leave. Um, and I thought, and then I found it even more amusing how like, you know, some of the takes from people who definitely played high school sports were like, oh, you've got to have thicker skin than that, this, that, and the other. And I was just kind of like, no, if I'm in a job where I have a bunch of lunatics yelling at me, 
Yeah. I would quit that job too. And I would go do something else because that would make, that would not be fun. Then you throw the travel on top of it, being away from your family. So I can be here and get yelled at for building a really, for revamping an entire organizational's hitting approach so that it is now on the cusp of producing Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn, Alec Burleson, Yepes, Donovan, right? Like <laughs> the list goes on and on. Yeah. Um, or, I can go live somewhere warm, have major league baseball players who want to learn what my insights are. Unlike Matt Carpenter, who was kind of like, yeah, I don't need that until he didn't have a contract anymore. Then he got more into the analytics. Um, And I don't have to travel. I get to work with these guys and I don't have lunatic St. Louis Cardinals fans treating me like I'm their favorite NCAA team's offensive coordinator in football. Like, you know, like I don't blame him at all for trying to get away from the football brain that's infected fans on social media. And frankly, I feel like some of the St. Louis media establishment have been infected up with it with respect to the Cardinals now that the Rams have left town. Yeah. Well, first off, Ben, uh, Iowa Hawkeyes offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz is trash. I think we can agree on that. But setting that aside, <laughs> um, you know, I, so I, 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 I feel like I've said several times when we talk. I'm just like coaching to me is just this ultimate like black box thing where I just feel like I don't really know. I don't know what these guys do. And I'll give you an analogy, Ben. When I want to say something about coaches, here's what I feel like. I feel like if I went into a Chipotle in Denver and I got a really like crappy burrito, I feel like, you know, if I were to then like write a letter to Chipotle corporate office and say that the the senior vice president in charge of the Western United States is failing at his job because of this like crappy burrito I got. That's that's kind of what I feel like the criticism is in general when I criticize the coaches and the staff, because, you know, I don't know. There's just so many inputs there. There's the players themselves and their skill level. There's all these other things, you know, just like, I don't know. Hey, is there even a vice president of the West Coast? Right. Is there a store manager? Like, what are these things? So that's kind of where I I, I, I kind of come into this on. So. You know, I don't get, I, I guess I feel like I don't run too hot or cold one way or the other. You know, that said, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Mike Maddox to me, you know, again, it's hard for me to say what Mike Maddox did well or didn't do well, but the the lack of development in the Cardinals pitching system seems pretty evident. And, and just the lack of, of pitchers that really seem to take a step forward. Um, you know, seems very, very notable. So it seems clear that there's a failure somewhere in the pitching side of things, you know, and whether that was Maddox or not, I don't know. But, you know, he's kind of, you know, the leader or at least the figurehead of that. So it feels like maybe this is fruitful that he's, you know, moving on there. On the hitting side, it gets even more complicated, of course, because Jeff Albert, in addition to being the major league hitting coach, had this kind of you know, nebulous, like czar of organizational hitting thing. And we know that he was kind of like working with the minor leaguers and stuff. So it's hard to know exactly what he was doing, but, but you make the great point. It's a lot easier to point to success in, in terms of, of hitting um, both in the minor leagues as well as some in the major leagues, you know, in the Cardinal system. So, um, you know, it feels like that's, you know, potentially, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more of a loss, but I also think, you know, any coach basically has a few ideas, right? And, and and a coach can can you know kind of give you those few ideas and help you along a little bit, but there's kind of an end point to that, right?
right? And then you kind of need to refresh that. You need some fresh cues. So I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, you know, moving on and cycling through. To me, a pitching coach and a hitting coach, these aren't positions that you want somebody, you know, spending 25 years in your organization in those roles. Yeah. And, you know, I, I will also say, I think that the players are, it are coming into the majors now, having been introduced to the type of concepts that Albert was charged with putting in place in the organization. And so Albert was in the majors with a lot of guys who didn't have or come up or experience major league success with this type of technology and data. And so I feel like he was kind of having to fight veterans who have proven successful doing things a certain way, like a Matt Carter. Right. And now every guy that comes up already comes in with that anyway. Yes. And so Albert is really just refining you know, that with the younger players. And also, by the way, the younger players have been exposed to the system he has put in place before they get there. Right. So he's, he's just the ultimate top level extension of this organizational wide uh, approach that has been put into place. So in a way, I feel like Albert is kind of missing the opportunity to, have his job be easier mm-hmm. because he's going to get more and more young players who have come up doing things a certain way and are used to doing things a certain way. Right. And he is just more helping to refine than perhaps sell and create a wholesale change in approach. And so that's too bad. But at the end of the day, I cannot blame a guy at all for just being like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do the travel. I don't you know, want to put up with people attacking me. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see, though, uh, where the Cardinals go. Do they go inside the organization? You know, Steinhorn has done a lot of good work in the minors. Do you want to keep him there because of the good work he's done there? Or do you want to bring him up to the majors to work with some of these players he's already worked with and kind of have some continuity and approach throughout the organization? Uh, or do they do something like what the Giants did, where they, they hire more than one person to replace Jeff Albert so that you have different voices and maybe have less of a need to refresh, uh, you know, because players are able to kind of go a la carte uh, with who they're talking about for what. And I think that'll be really interesting. Uh, And to your black box point, Ben, uh, with respect to Maddox, we were talking about how surprised we were that no Cardinals coach caught Adam Wainwright's mechanical flaw that was leading to his issues. Uh, But then in this press conference, uh, Mosellock talked about it and said, you know, basically, we don't really coach Adam Wainwright anymore. He just does his own thing. And um, and so uh, then you paired that with Adam Wainwright's press conference where he was like talking about how great Mad Dog was. And I was just thinking to myself, like, so so basically Maddox just left Wainwright alone. Like, it's just like, you know, go do your thing and we'll have like our you know, our, our pre-start meeting where we're talking about tendencies and that type of thing. And so, uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and, and I'm fascinated to see what direction they go with when it comes to pitching coach, because when they, when they hired Maddox, you'll recall before they, they made that hire, they laid out what they wanted and it sounded like they wanted more of a, of a new age type pitching coach, uh, and then they they hired Maddox, and well, so 
do they do they go that route where it's more new age or are they going to try to get a more established pitching coach who's more traditional to be interesting to see well and we've talked about i mean there was always a real incongruity there where they had i mean these last few years where on the hitting side they had this like very you know, tech savvy, new age hitting coach who was also given the job of like organizational director of hitting. Right. Meanwhile, on the pitching side, their pitching coach was like a, you know, kindly old man, baseball lifer. So like very, very different. And as an organization, it kind of just seemed incongruous that you would do one on one side and one on the other. And I always felt like it was really just kind of the legacy of the fact that, well, Maddox was there first and they had kind of committed to him and they liked enough of what he did that they you know, stayed with him, even though maybe he didn't fit into their framework. I think if anything, it, it, the interesting thing about these two positions being um, open at the same time is I bet we will see a very, very similar can- types of candidates and a very similar structure that they implement on both sides. And that will very much tell us what they see as the optimal way to build these kind of coaching hierarchies. Yeah. And they're going to remake that major league uh, staff uh, with respect to pitching, like completely over, it sounds yeah. like. And so uh, I, I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see if they go for organizational consistency uh, with respect to hitting and signify a change of direction with respect to pitching. Um, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by this uh, and how they divide up the roles and what the hires uh, signal when they're made. Yeah, absolutely. will be interesting to follow and see. Um, so Ben, uh, lastly, uh, you know, it was a fairly long press conference yesterday and, and Mo hit on uh, a number of points. Um, you, I think, are really the foremost expert in Mo speak, although I like to think that I, I you know, I, I have some level of fluency. I'm, I'm somewhat conversational. Um, so let's just maybe kind of go back and forth. What were some of the things that you that you heard that caught your ear uh well the number one thing that caught my ear and i i watched on youtube so it also caught my eye as well uh was how annoyed mosaic got with media questions about their all overall approach to roster construction and he just basically was like are we going to stop doing the things that we have been doing that have led to 15 straight winning seasons no we're not like, and uh, one of the things that has driven me nuts since the end of the postseason, and I think it's tied into this, is the idea that there's a, a quote unquote trend of how the Cardinals have hit in the postseason, as if these are all the same players. And and also, by the way, the trend starts after the 2019 NLDS win over the Braves, right? right? Like, we're just going to arbitrarily start yeah. here. We lost to the World Series champions and their great pitching right. staff. And it's all this, that, and the other. And then the trend also includes a one-game postseason against the Dodgers right. and a two-game postseason against the Phillies. And I think it's absolutely insane. And so I was very glad to hear Mosellock just talking to the people who were asking those questions like they were very annoying and stupid because uh, I, I had the same impression. Uh, what's something that you that caught your ear, Ben? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I think one thing that jumped out to me, and, and it was because it wasn't Mo speak. It was pretty direct. I don't think I've ever heard at this point in the offseason, Mo or DeWitt say as point blank, 
we will add payroll. We are going to add payroll. And it was, you know, very definitive. I mean, there's definitely been, you know, like, oh, you know, we think, you know, hope we have some opportunities, you know, we're going to be, uh, you know, take advantage of what's out there. think there might, that's the kind of thing we usually hear. But several times he said definitively, we're, you know, we're going to add payroll. So, um, you know, how much payroll? I don't know. I think it would be uh, extremely uh, kind of a dark mo move to, uh, you know, re-sign Wainwright and restructure uh uh, Arenado's contract, and then <laughs> for that to be the added payroll. Uh, but but you know, realistically, you know, I believe them. I believe they're going to add add some payroll, and so you know, I think that adds some hope that there's uh, a free agent acquisition, whether it's a catcher, whether it's an outfielder, whether it's a starting pitcher. You know, that there could be a a, a significant addition in one of those spots. And and I think uh, two of the things that I think caught our ear are tied to that. One is he he flew to Southern California to meet with Arenado, and Arenado it sounded like asked like what are we going to do for the roster, right? And just, Jose Locke shared like, that just like he did before he signed his long term deal with the Rockies, and that worked yes. out really well for him. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, Jose Locke said he was optimistic about Arenado opting in. I think that's probably tied to an increase in payroll, and I think it's also probably tied to the statement that they are going to add a catcher from outside of the organization. And there, he also said elsewhere in in answering questions that they were going to explore trades and free agent signings yeah. this off season. And I think the, and that this is something that we identified as the number one priority for the team was a, a primary catcher uh, because that position uh, and I am hashtag team Yachty, but that position was a black hole uh, this year for much of the year. Yeah. And that is a clear opportunity for an upgrade. Well, and yet I think for a lot of the season, I still thought there was a good chance that they would roll into next year with a Kisner Herrera split. You know, once, you know, Herrera got added to the 40 and, and, you know, about the midway point through the season where Kisner started performing a little better, I felt like I could see a universe where the Cardinals said, I, I you know, we're going to kind of roll with these two guys. Um, you know, Herrera, it kind of seemed like maybe just fell off in terms of how much he was meeting expectations towards the end of the season. So I, I felt like that was less likely, certainly by the end of the year. But when Mo talked yesterday, you know, someone asked about Kisner. He's like, oh, you know, Kisner had a nice season, you know, but seemed to basically be saying like, yeah, but do you want to watch that for 162 games? So I, this his 10, I mean, he mentioned catching specifically when they first thing when they asked him about acquisitions. And then the way he talked about Kisner in Herrera, too, he kind of said he basically said he needs more development in AAA, you know, definitely didn't sound like, oh, we're giving up on him or we're, you know, disappointed. And again, you know, Herrera is, is crazy young. It takes catchers a very long time. So I don't think there's any reason to be like, you know, Herrera's a bust or anything. But it, it very much sounds to me like they're going to aggressively go out and acquire not just kind of a, you know, journeyman uh, backup guy, but, you know, probably a, a solid major league starting catcher. Yeah, and and I think that might be a position where they make a more significant and aggressive move. Now, whether that's Contreras or whether it's a trade, um, you know, I I could definitely see more of a a jockety type move, which is not fair to Mosellock, who traded for Goldschmidt and traded for right. Arenado, but it feels like they're much more positioned for that type of jockety move. You know, where it's like we're going to go trade for Edgar Renteria because we need a shortstop. 
and he's going to be our shortstop for the next three or four years. Um, and I could, it's, it feels like they could do something like that at catcher as well. well and uh, the, Card- the Cardinals have a really stocked minor league system at this point. And, and so, uh, I agree, you know, whether they acquire via free agency or trade, it'll just depend on what they have out there. But I think a trade, you know, a significant trade is is fairly likely this offseason because it's just easy to see where they have um, depth and minor league depth that would be appealing to somebody. And, and, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, they kind of almost end up working out the same way. You know, they probably take on a major league player with a significant salary and that's, you know, so they raise their salary that way. Um, but yeah, uh, what yeah. else then kind of jumped out to you? Um, well, Alex Reyes is not going to have a normal off season. And it sounds like how normal his 2023 might be is a question. And Moselock sure sounded like, you know, a, a non-tender was possible, uh, with Reyes, which, uh, is sad and, and you hate to hear it, but not terribly surprising given the litany of issues and the nature uh, of his shoulder, uh, at this point in his career. Um, the, the other thing, uh, on the injury front was no one requires surgery. Uh, but Moselock said basically that the wrist was giving Carlson troubles. Uh, and they think that's a big reason for his struggles at the plate this year, which I thought was interesting. Well, yeah. And I mean, I'm, we're kind of, you know, crafting narrative here to match results that we saw, but, you know, we talked about it a lot. His, you know, his exit velocities were terrible and, and they've, you know, now they've been going down for really ever since he's been in the majors. So that's, you know, a little concerning, but they were definitely at their worst this year. So, um, you know, I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I hope that's true because, you know, a, a, a nagging wrist injury that hadn't gotten the kind of treatment or chance to rest that it needed. That's the kind of thing that could heal. And, and you know, and then potentially you, you have him back on track to where you thought he was going to go as this guy with tons of potential that was up at a very young age. Um, so that would be great to see. Um, the other one, you know, that jumped out to me uh, was uh, he mentioned Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn specifically. And this was kind of in the context of, hey, might you go out there and acquire an outfielder or a shortstop? And and Mo basically said, well, you know, we might, but hey, we've got, you know, Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn. And, and Walker, someone I think asked a follow-up question and he went on to, you know, kind of say, I think someone asked him specifically, you know, would he, uh, you know, could he make the roster out of spring training? And Mo basically said, I'm not going to put any limit on the ceiling of where, you know, where he could go. So that's very much in the cards, um, which that was notable. But honestly, it was almost as notable to me that he would, he would tag win that way as well to essentially say, you know, win is far enough along that he might be reason for us to, you know, maybe not go and sign, you know, a Trey Turner or, you know, a, a, somebody like that. So, um, I, you know, anyway, I thought those were kind of some, some notable comments. Oh, absolutely. And I think that both of those possibilities in my mind foreclose a significant position player ad outside of catcher. Yeah. Um, I think Walker's imminent arrival in the majors and when, probably having an ETA next year, probably not out of spring training, but certainly at some point in time next year. And the flexibility that Donovan and Edmund have as utility players um, allows them to cover those middle infield positions satisfactorily until win is ready. And so um, I I think that just reinforces, again, what we've talked about, that catcher, uh, we expect something uh, fairly major at catcher. 
this offseason, and that seems the most likely area for an upgrade. Yeah, and I guess I, I still I wonder about sort of corner outfield slash DH as possibly being an area that they might explore as well, particularly, you know, how – how do they actually feel about Carlson? You know, how do they feel about O'Neill? Um, you know, Pujols, of course, is out of the mix there. Like, I could see an acquisition there, but I, I tend to agree with you. I don't see that as being like a, you know, they go out and sign somebody for a, you know, 10-year, $300 million contract. That's probably more of, you know, maybe they acquire somebody who's got a couple years left on a current deal, or, you know, maybe it's a, a veteran who's on a, a short-term, you know, really short-term kind of thing. See, I I think left field is O'Neill's until his first IL stint, and then it's Walker's if he if he can hit. Like yeah. to me, that is just the that just seems like the path of least resistance. And then they're just kind of shuffling everyone along once O'Neill gets activated off the injured list. And yes, I am I am viewing it as a foregone conclusion that Tyler O'Neill will be on the injured list. Like in the first three months of the season. Well, Ben, I, I tell you what, it's some of the eye popping um, stat cast things that Jordan Walker is doing in center field in the Arizona fall league. I yep. am really beginning to wonder if Jordan Walker could have a legitimate shot at center field next year, because that's, yeah. the, that's the other spot we talked about. You know, they really don't have a center fielder. I mean, Dylan Carlson, you know, is okay there, but um, you know, he's not, you know, great, but really beyond him, there's nobody else you want there. I mean, Deluzio defensively can play center field, but he's not a you know starting caliber player. So you know if if Walker, you know if they feel like Walker could be a center fielder with that bat, I think that could also you know he could be there on opening day. Yeah, and you know the the other thing is the the inevitable Edmund slump after he gets off to a hot start also creates an opening for win and them to then relegate Edmund to more of a utility role that could include center field. And I, and I think should, yeah. um, they really need to leverage his skills in a way that allows them to maximize the value from him. And we've talked about it. And I think the postseason awards, uh, may very well, uh, show this, that he's a, he's a good utility player. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so I, it'll be very interesting. Uh, and, uh, I thought Mosellock, you know, we talked about Mo speak, but, you know, watching and listening to the press conference, I think he's really gotten away from that. I agree. Uh, no, I agree. He's, the, it, it, he's more and more direct every year. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and it's clear, like he's very comfortable in his position. Yeah. And I also think he's like, he knows he doesn't have to hide the ball. Like, you know, you don't need to be privy to the inside discussions to recognize what this team needs. You you know what I'm saying? Right. Although I will, I will also caveat that by saying, you know, he's coming off a a year again, and we talked about it, one of the greatest regular seasons in Cardinals history. And uh, they're, you know, they won the division. Um, They're going to add payroll. So that's a lot different than like rolling in after the pandemic year when basically he knows yes. we're going to slash payroll. <laughs> we're not going to, you know, yeah. And and also all of his direct things are kind of like about everyone who's going to be playing on the Cardinals or everyone who could be playing for the Cardinals in the major leagues next year, which also strengthens his hand in all of the negotiations he's about to engage in right. uh, over the next several months. So you know, he, he is being very direct and forthright, but there's also a degree of posturing there, right? Oh, Where it's like, we have all of these players. Yeah. We don't, I mean, except for catcher. Right. But like, you know, 
anyone he talks to from another front office is going to recognize that. So it's, uh, you know, there, there's a bit of that posturing involved, but it's also, you know, it's much less kind of like he's the Sphinx telling riddles about what, what is going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ben, I think, uh, you know, the off season is, is just beginning for the Cardinals anyway. Apparently there's still a world series happening. I don't know. We haven't had baseball for like five days. I'm pretty sure the season's just over. Um, but, yeah, I thought I thought the yeah I thought it was over, but apparently there's still a World Series. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I'll see if it's on at a bar or something. I'll, I'll glance at it, but uh, but we will uh, we'll be back kind of periodically through the off season as news like this uh, breaks um, to check in with you. Um, you can always interact with us on Twitter at Cardinals Off Day. Uh, ben, anything else before we wrap it up? Uh, no, uh, enjoy the World Series, even if the Cardinals are not in it, and. Uh, We'll join you again once news breaks. Go, Go